0: يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ <آمَنُوا> O oh, you who have believed, لَا تَسْأَلُوا عَنَ أَشْيَاءٍ Do not ask about things. Which things? in تُبْدَ lakum If they are shown to you, they are disclosed to you, تَسُؤْكُمْ They would make you unhappy. They would distress you. تَسُؤْكُمْ From seen Hamza. su is what? Evil. Meaning, it will distress you, it will make you unhappy. Don't ask such questions. In other words, the answers to which you will not like. The answers that will disappoint you. Don't ask such questions whose answers will disappoint you. And this could be in religious matters as well as worldly matters. For example, once a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and he asked him, where is my father? His father died as a mushrik. So the Prophet ﷺ said, in the fire. What's the point of asking such a question, where is my father? It's understood. If he died as a mushrik, he's in the fire. Don't ask because when you hear from the mouth of the Prophet that your father is in the fire of hell, it's going to make you really, really sad. So don't ask about such things. Similarly, we learn that once a man came and asked the Prophet ﷺ, who is my father? Because it was said that his mother committed zina, and his father was not the father whom the people believed was his father, it was actually somebody else. So he came and asked the Prophet ﷺ, so who is actually my father? He said, yes, it's that man. Meaning not your mother's husband, but the other man. And that obviously distressed that person. That I am waladu zina. I have been born out of zina. My mother committed zina. So it hurt him. It offended him. He didn't want to hear that. This is in worldly matters. In religious matters. When the ayah was revealed, walillahi ala nasi bayti, That it is a right of Allah that the people should perform hajj. When this ayah was revealed, a man came and asked the Prophet every year, do we have to perform hajj every year? He didn't respond. Again he asked. Again, kept asking. And the Prophet ﷺ got upset that if I had said yes, then you would have to do it. Now imagine the difficulty that it would cause to all the Muslims. None of us would be here today if Hajj was obligatory every year. We wouldn't be able to do anything in our lives. Because all year long we would work to make enough money so that we could go for Hajj. This is what we would be doing. People save money for three, four years and eventually they're able to go to Hajj. Imagine if Hajj was mandatory every year. So don't ask such questions that will make your life difficult for you, that will cause you distress, things you don't want to hear. This is why the Prophet ﷺ said, leave me as I have left you. Because those before you were destroyed because of many questions and disputing with their prophets. Such questions, what do they cause? Differences. And they ultimately lead to harm. So this is why Allah is telling the believers not to ask questions which are irrelevant whose answers are not of benefit to you, they will only make life difficult and miserable for you, they will only hurt you. And this is something that we have to apply in every area of our lives. For example, if you go to somebody's house, and you ask them, where did you buy this meat from? And they tell you, I bought it from Maple Lodge. Paramount. And you firmly believe that Maple Lodge is haram or uh, Paramount is haram. You firmly believe that. Will you be able to eat that food? No. Don't ask such questions. Don't ask such questions that are going to make life for you and for others difficult. And it will lead to ikhtilaf. They called you over to have food with you, to spend some good time with you. And here an evening turns into an argument. Likewise, you have some problem with, let's say, your in-laws. Those of you who are married, please listen to this carefully. And those of you who are not married, listen to this carefully as well. Because one day, inshallah, when you will be, you might have problems. And you don't like the kind of things that perhaps your mother-in-law does or your sister-in-law does. And let's say your husband goes for an entire day while you are at (laughs) Al-Hudah. And then you ask them, so what did she say? And what did you guys do? Or you ask your children, what did your aunt say? What was your aunt wearing? And what was my mother-in-law doing? What was your grandmother doing? And the kind of answers that you were given, they heard you. They heard you, that your sister-in-law said something about you. Or they were celebrating while you were not there because they don't care about you. What's the point of asking such questions? What's the point? What's the benefit? There's no benefit. Likewise, a woman may get married to a man who was maybe previously married to someone. His first wife died or he divorced her. And now she is on his case trying to find out what was her name, where did she live, why did you divorce her. And if not him, asking every other person in the world. So I just want to know, like, what's the main reason why he divorced her? And was she really a good person or was she a bad person? And then you find out that, okay, she was evil, she was like this, and because of this reason he divorced And it was good for him that he divorced her. And then you want to find out, what did she wear on her wedding day? Where are those pictures? Where did you take her when you got married? Where did you guys used to eat? Where did you go for your honeymoon? How much was the dress for? And then you find out, oh, her dress was... $2,000 in my dress was $500. He gave her a whole set of jewelry and to me he just gave a ring. And it hurts you. There could be a reason why he gave her an entire set. Maybe he could afford it at that time. And now he can't afford to give you a whole set. So he gave you a ring. There is a reason. But it hurts you. So don't ask about such questions. Whatever has happened in the past has happened. It's over. It's history. Let it go. Let it go. Don't pry. Don't do the justice. So let us عن اشياء Don't ask about such things. Intub dalakum tasukum. They will hurt you if you were to find out about them. So what kind of questions should we ask? Relevant questions. Useful. The answers to which really have to do with amal the answers to which will really benefit you, not hypothetical questions. Yesterday I mentioned to you that the scholars have even said that if there is a sea creature that resembles a human being, i.e. a mermaid, that's still halal because it's a sea creature. And the person who asked this question, what a ridiculous question. Because first of all, do mermaids even exist? And if you tell a little child who loves her mermaids, that by the way, if mermaids were real, we could actually eat them. Imagine the distress that you would cause to a little poor girl. Just imagine. So don't ask such questions. In تبذ تُبِذَ تَسُؤْكُمْ Don't ask hypothetical questions all the time. If this were to happen, what if that happened? Don't do that. It's only going to make your life difficult and it's only going to make you distressed. And Tajastus is something that we should not do. تَجَسُّزْ is basically being overly curious about matters which are irrelevant to you. And... Likewise, one more thing, please, you young girls, remember, when you get married, inshallah, or if you are married, don't ask your husband ever, did you have a girlfriend? Did you have a crush on someone? Don't ask this question. What benefit is it? He probably doesn't even remember who that girl was or where she lives. And here you are, oh my God, my husband used to love somebody. He doesn't love me. Don't ask your husband, do you love me? Again and again, do you love me? Don't do that. Don't ask your parents again and again, do you love me? Do you love me? And they say, yeah, yeah, of course I do. But you're like, oh, but that yes was not real. (laughs) It's understood they love you. And if they tell you, I love you, then accept what they say. Because... Women, they have this problem a lot. A lot. They ask too many questions, irrelevant questions. About people's feelings. About people's private matters. Don't do that. لا تسأل عن أشياء إن tasu'kum wa in tasalu عنها And if you were to ask about them حين ينزل القرآن At the time when the Qur'an was being revealed تبدلكم Then they will be exposed to you. Meaning, then you'll be given the answers. That when the Qur'an was being revealed, when the Prophet وسلم was alive, if somebody were to ask a question and the answer would be given for sure. Why? Because the wahi is coming. And then when the answer is given, the command is given, then you have to follow it. You have to do it and that it will make life difficult for you. So be careful, be wise about the kind of questions that you ask. Afa anha. Allah has pardoned it. Pardon what? What has happened before? So now don't repeat the same mistake again. And عَفَ اللَّهُ also refers to all those matters about which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept silent. That certain matters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not mentioned them. The Prophet ﷺ has not mentioned them in detail. Why? For some wisdom. There must be some wisdom behind it. So don't go searching those answers because you can't find those answers today anyway. And at the time when the wahi was being sent, there was a reason why Allah had not explained those matters yet. Think about it. If there was a companion who would come to the Prophet ﷺ in Makkah and ask him, is khamr haram? Alcohol, is it haram? And if at that time the answer was given yes, you think everybody would be able to stay away from khamr? Would they be able to? No, they wouldn't. Whose life would be difficult? Their life would become difficult. So certain matters were explained later at certain times. Don't be hasty to find out about them. And I give the same advice to you as well. When you're learning the Qur'an, you may have many questions. You want to know immediately, is niqab mandatory? Is it mandatory to wear abaya? Don't ask such questions already. Unless, unless you really want to do it. You can't wait. Then go ahead. But asking from now, And then you're like, okay, Sister Tamia said, yeah, you have to wear abaya. I don't want to learn about those verses, so I'm not going to continue with the course. I'm too scared. I don't want to know. There's, you ask, is music haram or halal? And we see that such verses are mentioned much later in the Qur'an, after the 20th juz. Why? Because by that time, a person has that strength of iman, the softness of the heart that is required to accept these rulings. So whatever has been deferred, defer it until then. Wallahu halim and Allah is forgiving and tolerant. Meaning there is a reason why He has delayed these answers, these matters. So wait. And Allah is Ghafur Rahim, so whatever has happened so far has happened, don't repeat the same mistake again. Some people before you also asked irrelevant questions, unnecessary questions. asbahu biha. And when they got the answers they didn't want to hear, what happened? They became its deniers, meaning they didn't want to do it. What does this remind you of? Some people who asked too many questions, and when they got the answer, they didn't want to do it. Who? The Bani Israel. Remember the Qissat Baqarah? The story of the cow? They kept on asking questions until it became too difficult for them. They didn't want to do it. And they refused to do it. At that time, they slaughtered the cow. But on many other occasions, they kept on asking questions. Questions. They made their life difficult, and then they refused to do it. So, asking questions is important, but only when the questions are relevant. When they're irrelevant, they only make your life difficult. So, the information that has been given, just stick to that. Not less. Not more. Then Allah says, "Ma Allah has not made. Meaning he is not appointed any Bahira, Wala Sa'iba, nor any Sa'iba, Wasila, nor any nor any ham. These four animals that are mentioned over here were basically different kinds of animals which were dedicated to the false gods, meaning the mushrikeen they would dedicate certain kind of animals to their false gods. And dedication would mean that, let's say, the milk of those animals, people could not drink it. They could not ride those animals. They could not slaughter those animals. And with regards to what exactly wasila is, what exactly ham is, what exactly sa'iba, bahira, there are many, many opinions. And if I were to go into each one of them, first of all, you'd be confused. And secondly, you might even laugh. Laugh is good right now, but it would confuse you more than amuse you. Like for example, just to tell you how complicated it is, Bahira it is said that it is the 11th daughter of a she-camel born after 10 brothers. And you're like, what? 11th daughter of a she-camel born after 10 brothers. This is just one opinion. There are 9 other opinions as well. But basically it is such things that if a she-camel would give birth to twins again and again and all those twins were male and then eventually she gives birth to a female, then that female would be dedicated to the idols, or that mother would be dedicated to the idols, the mother of those great camels would be dedicated to the idols. Right? So there are different opinions. Ham, it is said that it's a bull, basically, that fathered 10 female calves. These things are irrelevant to us now. You probably have never seen a camel. And you probably don't know the difference between a male camel and a she camel. You probably don't know what it means to give birth to 10 she camels, right? Right? because it's irrelevant to us. So this is why I'm not going to go into all that detail. You can find out these details from various tafsir books, but it's not a relevance to us. The point is that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says over here, that He has not appointed any such animals. That if a camel gives birth to 10 she-camels, then you dedicate her to the idols. Or you dedicate its 11th child or you dedicate the mother of multiple twins, or you dedicate the father of multiple twins, first of all, those animals are makhluk. If you find it amazing that a she-camel gave birth to 10 males, you should be amazed at the power of Allah. Not the power of the she-camel. Because it's not in the hand of the she-camel. Whether you were impressed by the mother or the daughter, doesn't matter. You should be impressed by who? Allah Azza wa Jal, the khaliq. So he says, these animals are not appointed by Allah. But those people who disbelieve, they fabricate lies about Allah. And most of them don't use their mind. Because if they use their mind, they wouldn't dedicate such animals to their false gods. Because when such animals would be dedicated, it would be a burden on the people. Think about it. Here you have a camel, it's dedicated to the idols. You can't ride it. You can't use it at all. In fact, you have to take care of it. Sa'ibah said that it would be a camel, that that would be just left on its own, so it would wander freely in the streets and destroy people's property, trample people's you know land, and as a result, people would suffer. So if they use some common sense, they wouldn't do this. And the dedication that they have done, this is all fabricating lies about Allah. Meaning they have no knowledge of it. They have just invented all this, which gives us a very important lesson, that if you don't know about something, don't talk about it. Imam Malik once, a group of, uh, students came to him, and they stayed with him for 15 days, and every day they would ask him so many questions, and he would say, La adri. He would say, I do not know. Because he didn't know the answers to those questions. So if you don't know about something, don't talk about it. لهما, and when it is said to them, Ta'ala كَمْ Ilama Allah to that which Allah has revealed. Look, the Quran talks about this. This is what Allah has revealed. The complete opposite of what you're doing. Wa and to the Messenger. Come to the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu Do what he commanded. qalu they say, hasbuna enough for us is what ma wajadna Abaana. what we found our forefathers on. The practices of our forefathers, their beliefs, their culture, the things that they used to do—that is sufficient for us. That is enough for us. Meaning, we have no interest in what the Quran says. We have no interest in what the Prophet ﷺ commanded. The rituals that we are busy with—they're good for us. They're enough for us. Allah says, "Awwaluka." Would they still follow their fathers? Even if آباؤهم their fathers لا They didn't know anything ولا And they were not rightly guided Meaning why are they following their forefathers When their forefathers did not know And they were not rightly guided So understand this verse properly That following your parents, your forefathers In itself is not wrong It is wrong when a person is following them when they were not rightly guided, when they were ignorant of the truth. So for example, a person is told that the way in which you're praying is not according to the sunnah. You should pray in this way, because this is the way that the Prophet ﷺ performed salah. He says, no, 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 no. My father taught me how to pray when I was three years old. And this is how I have prayed salah all my life. My mother used to pray like this. My father used to pray like this. And my father, my grandmother taught him. So I'm going to pray like that because this is how our family prays salah. No, you're not going to do that. When you have learned that the sunnah of the Prophet وسلم says something different, then you have to follow what? The sunnah. Not what your parents did. And at the same time, don't look down on your parents. Because perhaps that's all that they knew to be correct. Which is why they did it. And you would be worse than them when you know what correct is, yet you leave it in imitation of other people. So, what do we learn over here? The importance of following the truth. Even if the entire society contradicts it. Even if your culture contradicts it. Because we have two extremes. Some people follow the culture. They said, this is how we Pakistanis are, this is how we Somalis are this, how we are, this is how we are, this is how we are, this is what we've always done. And at the same time, there's another extreme, which is that people give no importance to culture. They said, this culture, it means nothing. You should only practice Islam. You should only be Muslim. Quran, Sunnah, khalas. And they give no importance to culture at all. No, culture is important. We are human beings. Your culture shapes you. It gives you joy in your life. So culture is important. But when it contradicts the Quran and Sunnah, then you leave it. If it doesn't contradict it, then there's no harm. In fact, it's good for you. Because it helps you do certain things. So two conditions are given over here. That they should have ilm and they should have hidayah. Who? Your forefathers, your culture. If they had that, follow them. And following them is good. But if they didn't have it, then do not follow. And leaving their ways is better for you, inshallah. And still have respect for them. In the sense that don't look down on them, don't confront them. There are many great scholars who differed from their families, from their teachers even. But still they had great respect for them. Great respect for them. In the manner that they spoke to them, in the manner that they dealt with them. Because you can agree to disagree. You can, and you can still be respectful. Let's listen to the recitation of these
1: ayahs. ذلك لتعلموا ان الله يعلم ما في السماوات وما في الارض ( propia) وان الله بكل شيء عليم اعلموا ان الله شديد العقاب وان الله غفور رحيم ما على الرسول إلا البلاغ والله يعلم ما تبدون وما تكتمون قل لا all الخبيث والطيب ولو أعجبك كثرة الخبيث فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ يَا أُولِي لَعَلَّكُمْ ايها الذين امنوا لا تسالوا عن اشياء ان تبدل لكم تسكوا وان تسالوا عنها حين ينزل القران تبدلكم عف الله عنها والله غفور حليم أُذِ سَأَلَهَا قَوْمٌ مِّن قَبْلِكُمْ فَمَا أَصْبَحُوا بِهَا كَافِرِينَ ما جعل الله من بحيرة ولا سائبة ولا وصيلة ولا حام ومن الذين كفروا يفترون على الله الكذب واكثرهم لا يعقلون